The Urbanist is brought to you in association with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Abu Dhabi. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is a beacon of hope and inspiration. A catalyst to spark growth and collaboration with museums and experiences, where art and science and nature and technology coexist. The belief of Abu Dhabi that culture is the backbone of our society. Stay tuned for a special episode of the show, in which you can hear His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak explain exactly why and how Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to collaborate, create, and innovate. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi, proud partner of The Urbanist on Monocle Radio. Hello and welcome to The Urbanist, Monocle 24's programme all about the built environment and how to make our cities better places to live in. I'm your host, Andrew Tuck. Coming up... Aside from the history and attractions, if you talk to people around the town, the holidays are really just a time where the whole city sort of comes together. It's time to get a bit festive here on The Urbanist. With Christmas just around the corner... We're in Tallinn to visit what has been voted as one of Europe's best Christmas markets. Then we're off to the US to visit a town that loves the season so much it's given itself the nickname of Christmas City. And we get a letter from our resident Grinch, Andrew Muller, on the effects this festive season has on cities and on him. Plus, join me and Carlotta Ribello as we compete in the second annual Urbanist Quiz Christmas edition. That's all ahead over the next 30 minutes, right here on The Urbanist, with me, Andrew Tuck. So, let's get started in the United States. Christmas City is a self-appointed title that the aptly named town of Bethlehem in Pennsylvania gave itself back in the 1930s. What started as a bit of a gimmick by the local Chamber of Commerce has turned into an annual tradition of bringing the Christmas spirit to this historic town, which was founded by a persecuted Christian minority known as the Moravians. Monocle's Chris Chermack visited Bethlehem to find out how this former steel town has reinvented itself and whether it truly lives up to its name and reputation. May I join you? I'm a reporter covering Bethlehem Christmas City and what it's like. Oh, we'd love for you to join us. We're heading down to the Goondi House for the advent calendar. That's where I'm going to. Oh, how excellent. We will go together. Thank goodness there's a loud bell to lead the way. Oh, the holiday spirit. I see our companions. I see them as well. Oh, thank goodness. They all excuse us. As we arrive at the Gundi house on Bethlehem's main street, Santa passes by in a horse-drawn carriage, which for some reason prompts a pretty earnest discussion among the gathering crowd about the name of Santa Claus's wife. Somebody who claims to have done the research insists it's either Carol or Jessica. Then, after a few eager residents have had a good turn ringing the loud bell, the proceedings get underway, led by a local theater group. We bring to you and your kids. 
And now, if you'll fancy us all with joining us in singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Okay, there's a little caroling. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And then the proceedings get underway. For the next 13 days, this door will represent the spirit of Christmas. It's just like the advent calendar you might have received as a child. But here in Bethlehem, we take celebrating the holiday season to the next level. Yes. Rather than chocolate or a little picture, our local merchants and partners have a special treat for you. Tonight is door number 11. Now all we need is one brave audience member, look at that, that was easy, to come knock on this door. How many knocks will it be? So there will be three knocks, count us in. One, two, three. Out pop the proprietors and staff of a local coffee shop chain that's been quickly spreading throughout the United States. Welcome everyone. We are coming to you from Biddy and Bo's Coffee. We are a coffee shop that is run almost primarily by individuals with disabilities. Yay. Yay. There's more caroling and merriment and even tears in the eyes of some of the residents as the younger disabled staff members perform for the group. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, named by a group of once persecuted early Protestant Christians known as the Moravians, who initially came from modern-day Czech Republic, then moved to Germany, and eventually settled here in Pennsylvania back in the 1700s. And Bethlehem has really doubled down on its holiday-appropriate name. Ever since the 1930s, it's advertised itself as Christmas City, USA. It kind of grew into a tradition in 1937, and of course, coming up with the name Christmas City, USA, the post office used to have a seal where you would be able to get your Christmas card postmarked. This is Lorianne Wukic, president and CEO of Historic Bethlehem Museums and Sites. And it's not just in the Depression era that Bethlehem was looking for business and needing to reinvent itself. Back in the 1990s saw the closure of Bethlehem Steel, once the second largest steel manufacturer in the United States. The community obviously went through some hard times after the Depression and they were trying to be creative. And there's no doubt after Bethlehem Steel closed that the community again embraced preservation efforts by creating a sense of place. Now, regular listeners of Monocle 24 will know that I am half Austrian, half American. And when it comes to my Austrian side, I mean, let's face it, it's really hard to outdo us when it comes to Christmas markets and celebrating the holidays. But that said, I have to admit that Bethlehem's Christmas city name is more than just a gimmick to bring in the tourism dollars. This city does seem to make a special effort. Along its historic Church Street, you'll find candlelights in every window. There's a Star of Bethlehem on a hill in the distance. And there's a special type of nativity scene known as a putz in the churches. Beyond that, people here really do seem to feel a sense of responsibility to live up to that Christmas city name. There's a spirit in this city that I don't feel you can get anywhere else. I mean, Bethlehem was founded on Christmas Eve in 1741 on the site where the hotel's now sitting. This is Kelly Reynolds, director of guest experience at Historic Hotel Bethlehem, which is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year 
and has the distinction of being voted America's best historic hotel for the past two years by readers of USA Today. We are Christmas City, USA, and I think if you try to take advantage of that from our perspective, I think we would get punished. <laughs> I think there would be punishment at the other end of that Christmas candy stick. So we take it very seriously. There is, of course, also a Christmas market here in Bethlehem, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year and is set against the backdrop of the former steel plant, which is lit up in red and purple on December nights on the south side of the city. Vendors here sell lots of local stuff, decorations and goods from manufacturers, mostly within the state of Pennsylvania. We are known for all of our Christmas cookies. We also have ornaments, every kind that you could possibly think of. We also have Christmas books and toys. This is Carol King, retail manager at the Moravian Bookshop, the oldest continuously operating bookstore in the United States. We just love Christmas here. I mean, we just absolutely, I love it. I love it, especially when it was snowing. Hi guys, how are you? Merry Christmas. But yeah, people do come into our store because of our history. And beyond the business side, while visiting Europeans often like to make fun of American cities that label themselves historic, there really is a lot of history here in Bethlehem too. In fact, the city is spearheading an effort to become a world heritage site linking Bethlehem to some of its partner cities with Moravian populations back in Europe. Here's Lorianne Wukic again. If you were to look at a photograph of Christiansfeld in Denmark, it looks very similar to historic Bethlehem and Church Street. If you were to look at photographs of Herrenhut in Germany, you'd see the same similarities. And so the sense of town planning is really at the forefront, and we hope that that journey is going to recognize the ingenuity of the Moravian community and the mission work throughout the world. But aside from the history and attractions, if you talk to people around the town, the holidays are really just a time where the whole city sort of comes together. That quintessentially American thing, that sense of community that makes a city a city after all, and it just might be what gives Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the right to call itself Christmas City, USA. For Monocle in Bethlehem, I'm Chris Chermack. Let's head to Estonia. Its picturesque capital city, Tallinn, plays host to one of the continent's most famous Christmas markets. So much so that in 2019, it was voted the best among them all. Well, we dispatched our very own Santa helper, Petri Butsov, to investigate. Tallinn's UNESCO-listed medieval old town with its gothic architecture, thick stone fortifications and its colourful, almost fairy tale like facades provides the perfect backdrop for a traditional Christmas market. With the ground covered in a thick layer of pure white snow and snowflakes dancing in the crisp winter air, locals and visitors alike gather to the market to sip on warm glasses of mulled wine. Vendors from all over the country flaunt their wares in beautiful wooden stalls, while other stalls serve traditional Estonian countryside dishes such as duck, sauerkraut and artisanal sausages. 
The atmosphere of the market is nothing short of magical for both the adults and the children alike, with the latter queuing up to visit Santa or to ride in old-fashioned merry-go-rounds. I met up with Diana Haruso, the event's organizer, and asked her what the Christmas market means for the locals and the city of Tallinn. Our local people is liking uh, very, very much to visiting in Tallinn Christmas market. They are waiting when we open and they are right in the same day already here. Because for them it's like um, they forget here their problems. They have uh, such um, good uh, emotions here. Because here is lights everywhere. There is nice music is playing. We have interesting culture program. For children we have Santa Claus here. And they can read, uh, sing songs for Santa Claus and ask what they want for, for Christmas. And Santa Claus give, give even uh, candy for them. And all the atmosphere is, uh, is here like this, that you feeling that in the world is everything is okay and everyone is happy. Most of the stalls sell local crafts such as woolen socks, hats and mittens, handmade chocolates and various toys and household items made of wood. The vendors represent the very best of Estonian craft heritage and are personally selected by Diana and her team. We have very big selection in the autumn from the small businesses and we prefer always small family businesses and we don't really like here plastic things because these kind of things you can buy in everywhere shopping centers but in Tallinn Christmas market we prefer always handicrafts and small family businesses and it makes it very unique and of course interesting for our visitors. And uh, could you name some of the highlights, in your opinion, if uh, somebody travels to the market, let's say from London or New York, what should they buy? Oh, I think everyone is finding something interesting and something uh, to try themselves or something to buy for a presence. And uh, like I said, we have very, very many small family businesses and they are making um, chocolates, candies, sweets... And of course, wooden handicraft and woolen and knitted products. And of course, uh, we have very big selection of uh, hot uh, drinks and glögis. And I believe we have the biggest variety in the world, almost from every berry what is uh, growing in Estonia. I asked Diana about how much work goes into running the Christmas market, curating the vendors, the program and the food and drink offering. It's actually quite a big work. When people think that Christmas market is starting in the end of November, we and our small team, we are starting preparing the new Christmas market already in January. And this is almost all year work to make everything like beautiful and new. We prepare houses if they need to, painting them if they need to. And of course, we're thinking every year something more and more interesting here. Next, it was time to sample some of the food and drink on offer at the Christmas market. Hi, my name is Aniki. And what we are selling over here is uh, the glögi uh, with the vanatallin, which is the local, uh, local liquor we made with some different herbs. And uh, also what we have is the Vanatalin toffe and we add some, uh, like our, this is like our own drink, we add some little bit of apple juice and a uh, little bit of 
lemon juice in it. So, but I can't tell you exact the recipe. You just have to come here and to taste it. <laughs> then we have alcohol-free is the ginger drink, ginger and a little bit of uh, also apple, apple uh, uh, juice. So this is a this is a glögi with uh, traditional Estonian liquor called Vanatallin, and this is supposedly quite strong. Let's try. Mm, you, yeah, you can taste the liquor in here. <laughs> The evening then continued with sampling local stews and a freshly baked cinnamon bun, all the while watching dancing and singing performances by local school children. I might have picked up a few stocking fillers myself, but they must be kept secret for now. Every time I visited the market, it was filled with families and people of all ages, in good spirits, jolly and social despite the freezing temperature. Cities could learn a thing or two about Tallinn's Christmas market and the benefits of building public venues that bring people together during the holiday season. The all-time charm of the Tallinn Christmas market is something that faceless, brightly lit malls with their fake Christmas trees and chain restaurants can never replicate. So cities, embrace your history and traditions, your craftsmen and women, and first and foremost, your citizens, by letting them use your public spaces for festive events such as Christmas markets. For Monocle in Tallinn, I'm Petri Burtsov. But while Christmas is celebrated by many, there are also several urban dwellers who look at this holiday season with a sense of dread. There are crowds everywhere. It becomes impossible to escape festive songs and people have an excuse to wear their ugly sweaters outside. At least, that's the take of Monocle's resident Grinch, Andrew Muller. The narrator of this monologue is acutely aware that he has been set up somewhat. Cast as a spiritual brother to Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch, under instruction to bar humbug theatrically through this next few minutes of pre-Christmas curmudgeonry. In the interests of, if nothing else, ever again getting invited to fancy Christmas wingdings at London embassies, I'd like to clarify a few things before we get properly rolling. I'm not massively against Christmas as such. I'm just not terrifically interested in it. I probably think about Christmas much as I do about, say, model railway building or pigeon racing or coin collecting. Which is to say, not my thing, but I recognise that other people enjoy it, and so I wish them all the best with it, so long as it doesn't bother me untowardly. And this is the problem. Not with Christmas itself, about which my feelings, again, may be characterised as benign indifference, but with the inescapability of Christmas, which is much more pronounced in the big cities of the Western world. If you'll cast your memory back a paragraph to the comparison with model railway building, pigeon racing or coin collecting, Christmas time in the city is like someone installing a replica of Zurich Hauptbahnhof in your basement or hanging their bird loft from your roof or following you around wanging on and on and on about their trove of Austro-Hungarian shillings. In London, the Christmas lights on Oxford and Regent Street start going up in early November and stay there until early January. These are often quite pretty in and of themselves and less obnoxious than they once were. Recent hypersensitivity about appearing exclusively denominational has largely stripped them of obvious Christmas messaging. But they're there, glaring insistently. 
Even before Halloween, it becomes impossible to do one's shopping without being belaboured by the soundtrack of over-familiar Christmas songs. In fairness, again, some of these are perfectly decent records, especially the UK's favourite pair of 70s vintage glam rock stompers, Slade's Merry Christmas Everybody and Wizard's I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. But who, aside from Slade and Wizard's doubtless delighted publishers, wants to hear them this often, or indeed ever again? In a small town, or the remote hermitage of which this time of year prompts wistful longings, you could get away from all this, but not in a big city. It's one entire sixth of the year during which one is being bombarded with the most irritating of all instructions, the instruction to enjoy oneself. There is little that is more depressing than ritualised wackiness, and in the city at Christmas you cannot get away from it. The antlers on taxis, the Santa hats on shop assistants, the stupid jumpers being worn to office Christmas parties by people little realising that they are mere hours away from some career-ending misjudgment. But among the little that is more depressing than ritualised wackiness is, obviously, untrammeled human misery, as radiated at this time of year by the wretched throngs trudging crowded footpaths, morosely dragging shopping bags full of stuff nobody really wants, that they might wrap it resentfully up before presenting it to someone they spend the rest of the year avoiding. And it's not directly the fault of Christmas, but everything that is awful about it is made more awful by the fact that, in the Northern Hemisphere at least, it coincides more or less with the days which are darkest, earliest. And this, perhaps, is the crowning bar which may be humbugged, that it could all be fixed so easily. I believe I speak for all of my kind when I say I'd settle quite happily for all Christmas observances being restricted to the month of December and permanent GMT plus two. For Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Muller. Now, finally this week, it's time for a rematch. Regular listeners will know that we are fans of a quiz on this show. So it's time for the annual Urbanist Quiz, Christmas edition. And here's your host. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second annual Urbanist Quiz, Christmas edition. Uh, I am very, very excited to be in the studio here. I'm your host, Nick Manice, uh, and the event is where we pit two of the finest urbanism minds against each other to find out who knows more festive traditions in cities across the globe. Uh, obviously, before we dive into the contest, we do need to meet our contestants. Uh, to my right, we have a handsome young man, and I'm not just saying that because he's my boss. Uh, his voice will be very familiar to the urbanist listeners. Sir, could you please tell me... Your name, your city of birth, and uh, favourite festive metropolis. Oh, well, my name is Andrew Tuck. My, my metropolis of birth is uh, London. And my, my favourite tradition, well, God, that's, that's, that's pushing it. Uh, Christmas lights. I mean, we could do an event. There's... Well, I'm going to be in Parma, in Parma de Mallorca for Christmas. And I've already dipped in there uh, once this year with the, the Christmas lights up. So I'm going to pick Palmer because it's got nice Spanish traditions which I don't quite understand yet and I'm kind of going to enjoy being in that city. Okay, excellent. That's a, a, an appropriate response from the crowd. Uh, and then obviously to my left, uh, another talented colleague of mine who keeps the urbanists ticking over week after week. Please, can you tell us your name, uh, your city of birth and a, 
What about a Christmas tradition from your hometown? Something a bit different. Hi, I'm Carlotta Rubello, and I feel like I'm going to stay with the island theme for Christmas because I'm from uh, Funchal in Madeira Island in Portugal. And my favorite Christmas tradition is that we do what we call tropical Christmas on the 25th in the evening, where we dance to samba music until like four in the morning. So. I'll see you on the dance floor. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, a few eggnogs and some smooth hips. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I panicked. Um, I, don't, I don't think you should be <laughs> saying that in this day and age. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and that's a, that's a fair point. But look, um, I, I'm sure you're both curious uh, what you're playing for, what you're going to be taking uh, away with you for uh, you know your island Christmases. It's a little white envelope, and all I can tell you is that inside is something Christmassy and urban-related. Uh, so that should... yeah. No appropriate response from the crowd there. This should help, you know, maybe entice some curiosity, a little bit of competition between <laughs> the two of you. That's what we're going for. So it is a sealed envelope. I um, hope there's nothing you smoke in a bong. That's all I can say. <laughs> no, well, I knew you were getting on a flight, so that was uh, that was out of the question. Dave, our uh, other producer, did push for that, but I, I told him no, not, a, not appropriate. We also need some rules. Uh, essentially, there's going to be four questions with a fifth as a tiebreaker, if it comes to that. Okay. They're going to be multiple choice, so we'll, we'll run through them, and then... Um, You've each got a buzzer in front of you, so let's test those out now. So we're up against each other? You're up against each other. That's how a competition works typically, Andrew. I didn't know if we were getting one question each. I didn't know if it was like a penalty shootout. Or no, like, no, no penalty like shootout. It's just like a smooth, a smooth tip, rumba, tustle. Yeah, that's, I, I was going to With go, eggnogs poured over us. Yes, again, I don't know. If Happy we, holidays. Now I don't, know, I don't know if we can do that in this day and age. And then crack um, open the envelope. Okay, here, here's, my, um, here's my sound. And here is mine. Okay, yeah. So we've got the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> They're working. I've got the questions. Dave, behind the glass, uh, will let us know if your answer is correct with a yes or no sound. Can we get the correct answer sound? Beautiful. And an appropriate response from the crowd there too. And then the incorrect sound. No, I don't, I don't want to be hearing many of those. That's, that doesn't feel right. So we, we've established that. Are you, you're both feeling comfortable? Yeah, very comfortable. Okay, Good excellent. luck, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. Well, there's some real sportsmanship. Uh, let's see if there's some gamemanship as well uh, as we dive into this. I do want a nice, clean fight, please, though. We'll do our best. Okay. No eggnog. No eggnog. That is for after. So we're going to start the first of the four multiple choice before we, and if we need to head into the tiebreaker. So which city are you most likely to observe the following Christmas traditions? Now, all the questions follow this format. So we're talking city and tradition. The first question, number one, children who end up on a naughty list are snatched up by a horned, hairy beast called a Krampus and stuffed in his wicker basket. Is this a tradition in A, Stockholm, B, Salzburg, or C, Sao Paulo? Andrew Tuck. Stockholm. Oh, no! That's not fair. <laughs> so, uh, Carlotta, do you want to have a go? Because this will get you the point. Salzburg? Here we oh. go. And Andrew, can you tell me why that's not fair? Is it just because you didn't know? <laughs> that's why. That's, that's, okay. that's the very reason. Uh, so, uh, we might be seeing Krampus uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> think so. Very, very, very good. I did see a wicker basket under his desk, so I'm a little bit concerned. But uh, I'm just remembering when I was last scooped up by a hairy beast. I'm sure I was in Stockholm. <laughs> very likely. Maybe a, f- a few eggnogs as well. This is really getting quite spicy. Um, not what I was uh, expecting here. Um, there are traditional parades called the Krampus Rum, Run, Krampus Run, <laughs> where young men participate dressed as a Krampus and attempt to scare the audience with their antics. So there you go, Andrew. That maybe is where that's coming familiar from. Maybe we need 
need to go on an urbanist yeah, meets Krampus. I'm, I'm thinking of changing my Christmas book. Oh, I mean, let's trade our island for a Krampus expedition. So, Carlotta Rebello with a 1 0 lead. The next question. So, again, we're going city with tradition. There's going to be three options. Buzz in when you're ready. A so called pooping log, a small stick with a smiling face <laughs> attached. <laughs> Sits on the dinner table in December and is fed every day with nuts and sweets. It is then beaten with sticks on Christmas Eve to poop out presents. Is this a tradition in A, Bangkok, B, Bergen, or C, Barcelona? Barcelona. Wowee. Okay. Carla, how, this is do one you of, know that? This is one of the Spanish traditions that Andrew's going to find out this Christmas. You better bring your pooping log, won't you? Can you check that onto the plate? That will be in the checked luggage, I think. I don't think that's carry-on sort of, uh, sort of context. Uh, there is a song that accompanies it. Did you want me to have a go oh, at yeah, singing? So, yes, yeah, please. You, you poop away. <clears throat> okay. Poop log, hazelnuts and nougat. Do not poop herrings, they are too salty. Poop nougars, they taste better. Poop log, almonds and nougars. And if you don't want to poop, I will hit you back with a stick. Poop log. <laughs> I, I pre- thank you. I appreciate that was more s- slam poetry. I realised I didn't really actually have a um, have a uh, have a tune in my head, but I, th- I think there might be a little breakdown in translation. So, Andrew, you've, how, how are your Spanish lessons going, by the way? Do we not talk about that? that we don't talk about it, but that, but I, I haven't learned the phrase for poop log. That's for sure. Okay, well there you go. That's an, that's another one for Palmer. You're you're going to maybe, have a maybe it's only Christmas. available in Catalan. Poop I'm log. looking forward to that lesson with your teacher when you ask him for the translation about the poop log. Wow, this is going to be a real spicy lesson. Um, question number three. So Carlotta Rebello with a 2-0 lead. Not to heap any pressure on you, Andrew, but you do need to get this correct, or okay. at least hope Carlotta doesn't. So number three, 13 mischievous trolls whose names include Doorway Sniffer. Wow. <laughs> wow. This... Uh, sorry, doorway, doorway sniffer, spoon licker, sausage swiper, can't, we're just going to gloss over these, candle stealer, curd gobbler, and window peeper. Sounds like a party to turns, me. <laughs> take turns visiting children who leave shoes in their bedroom window, dropping off presents for the good kids and rotting potatoes for the bad ones. Is this a tradition in A, Riga, B, Rome, or C, Reykjavik? Reykjavik. Oh, he's back in it! <laughs> Can I? How do you? How do you know about the? I met uh, them all the last swipe. time I was there. We went for a drink. Do you have a favourite troll? Um, <laughs> we're still in contact. <laughs> Uh, can I, with that in mind, why are you going to Palmer? That's, they sound like a lot of fun. So apparently the Yule lads used to be a lot more creepy than they are today. I don't really know. I, I almost don't want to know. But in, in 1746, parents were officially banned from tormenting their kids with monster stories about these particular creatures. Today they're mostly benign, save for their harmless tricks that they like to play. And Harmless trick, I don't know what Sausage Swipe is up to. But I, again, maybe an off-air chat about it. Uh, get some... Ooh, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, get get Someone a, met some, travel, some, some travel tips there. So 2-1 to Carlotta Rebello. This is really shaping up quite nicely uh, as we head into the fourth question. So one day in the lead up to Christmas, 
sees the Night of the Radishes, where participants carve anything from nativity scenes to fantastical monsters into artificially enhanced radishes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, didn't you say you did artificially enhanced yours? Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I am not going to comment on that, but my girlfriend is very pleased. Um, uh, which city does this happen in? Uh, is that A. Oaxaca, B. Wellington, or C. Winnipeg? Andrew Tuck. Oh, this is make or break, isn't it? It's really I, I'm going Oaxaca. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Uh, well, you seemed quite knowing about my artificially in- enhanced radishes. So can I just start? Did you get access to my re- medical records? I don't really know. Um, anyway, I can suggest but Mexico's great for cosmetic holidays. So, uh, and that's where we'll leave that question. But it does bring us to a tiebreaker. Well done, both of you. A little bit of energy from the crowd, please. <laughs> Go straight into it. They're very responsive, this live audience. Um, so question number five. This is the tiebreaker for the white envelope. <laughs> we won't Which, get anything done this afternoon. No, we're not. Uh, this is Well, we may as well move the Christmas party to today, really. So number five. On Christmas Eve, unmarried women stand with their back to the door and toss one of their shoes over their shoulder. If it lands with the toe facing the door, it means that they'll be married within the year. If not, they won't be so lucky in love. Which city is this a tradition in? Is it A, Prague, B, Pretoria, or C, Perth? I have no idea. Um, Prague. Ladies and gentlemen, Carlotta Ravello, and let's get a continued round of applause from the crowd. Uh, well done. You well, are our Christmas. Now I know what that means after my tropical Christmas when I, my shoes are facing the door. Well, again, I can tell you I'm from Perth and I'm repeatedly throwing shoes over my shoulder to no avail, uh, which is partly why those radishes got enhanced. So um, how, do, how, does it, how does it feel? You know, it's always bittersweet because now I have a year of Andrew putting this, uh, always thinking about the the loss. But it's okay. We uh, have next year. We have a rematch, Andrew. Uh, well, oh, I'm going to have a whole year thinking about enhanced radishes. That's um, that's, that's the image I'm going to try and share. I just shift. think we need to make a trip and meet Krampus. I think that's what, that's that's what we need to that's do. That's what this has given me. It's given me uh, a you know some incentive to maybe have Christmas in a few different places to. Uh, Maybe test the waters. And I, and I wouldn't say no to meeting the, what is it, 13 ogres or whatever it was. <laughs> trolls. The trolls. The trolls. Sorry. Uh, the sausage sni- a swiper is the one that really got me. Uh, <laughs> not the sausage sniffer. <laughs> not the sausage swiper. sniffer. That's a very different thing. Uh, uh, Carlotta, did you want to open? Let's, let's open let's the prize open the on air. Let's get, let's get a right. feel for what you've actually got. That's good. That's very nice audio. It's almost like I'm doing it for a living. <laughs> It's a little London taxi. It's <laughs> a Christmas decoration, we should say. It's not actually. Yes, a, and it says, not, I love the UK, taxi. which I do. Which, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something Hello. that defines this city that we live in. Uh, you know, it's a key a little part Christmas of the, decoration. the <laughs> transit picture in, in London. So we felt that it was appropriate. Um, hang that on your tree, and here's hoping that you hang on to it. Uh, well, you should hang on to it until we do this again next year. If not, it goes to Palma next year. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, that's all you'll be glad to know for this week's episode of The Urbanist. You can find more urbanism stories in Monocle magazine and you can pick up a copy at your local newsstand or why not give a subscription as a gift this Christmas and support our independent journalism. Visit monocle.com to find out more. Well, I think all that's left to say is have a very happy Christmas wherever you are in the world. 
We wish you lots of good cheer from the crew here on The Urbanist. That's Carlotta, David and myself. It's been a fun, entertaining year and uh, we hope we've given you a few amusing gifts along the way. Today's show was produced by those two little elves, Carlotta Rabello and David Stevens, and David also edited the show. And to play you out this week, well, here's Jose Feliciano with Feliz Navidad. Thank you for listening, city lovers. Feliz Navidad.